do us a quick favor guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode Welcome to this episode of The Sculpt, the podcast. Today, episode 92, no one cares about you. Lots of different things today. Lots of preparation went into this one, so I hope you guys will enjoy it. No one cares about you. There's, well, it's quite a confronting thing to hear. No one cares about you. Now, as I say with all episodes, take it with a grain of salt. Of course, people care about you. But the main message is no one cares about you more than you. Now, there will be exceptions where people don't care about themselves too much. And people outside of their circle care more about them than they do. That will be an exception. Of course, there is always exceptions. But exceptions don't make the rule. Also, those people who have others who care about themselves more typically it's not a surplus of that person really really caring for them typically it's a deficit of the person caring for themselves usually that's how it would usually work again there's going to be exceptions even to that rule but let's get into it part one for this will just be some reminders on how small and insignificant we are it's a little bit gloomy I'm aware of that, but to put it into perspective, I've got a photo for you, which can go here. And what that photo is, is humanity today and humanity in the past. The hourglass, the top part of this hourglass is representing the people on this earth right now. The bottom part is representing all of the people on this earth who have lived, ever, okay? I believe around 8 billion people live on the earth right now, and the closest estimate they have to how many people have lived on the earth in total is around 109 billion, okay? So, we're 111th of the world's population. Now, of course, there will be uh, the compound effect, which makes the, the number of people who we have on the earth right now is the all-time highest, most likely. But, well, it's, the graph's quite like a parabola. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people that lived before us. And when we think about our legacy that we leave behind, most people are very insignificant. Now, getting into stats. Considering the countless civilizations that have risen and fallen throughout history, Despite their achievements and empires, many are now mere footnotes in the history books. Despite their achievements and empires, many are now mere footnotes in the history books. Our existence is just a chapter in the story of humanity. When you think about it, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, Persia, Ottoman Empire, Vietnam, all these different empires. How many of these do we remember? How many stories are there that are amazing stories that we'll never know about? There are so many that we'll never know about. It's not even worth our time trying to figure out what's what 
and what happened here, what happened there. Okay, it's just not even worth it. So, we are just another chapter. We're just another chapter in the story of humanity. Even the most celebrated figures in history eventually fade into obscurity. Did you know that most people can't name all the US presidents or Nobel Prize winners? I mean, I'm Australian, so I don't even know many of them. Fame is fleeting and our impact in the world is often short-lived. There's 8 billion people on the earth. That's, that's an estimate, okay? Not my estimate. No, not my estimate. It's a common, uh, you know, stat that most people agree upon. There's about 8 billion people on the earth. 151,600 people die every single day, which translates to Roughly 105 deaths every minute. That's crazy. What's 105 times 60? Let me just get that up. 105 times 60. Hopefully, at the end of this episode, if it's an hour long, now not hopefully in terms of people that die, but going off that, that means 6,300 people would have died after this episode. That's crazy. That's crazy. Do you know how many... So let's do the maths there. 603,000 times average age uh, expectancy is around 79. That is equivalent to half a million years lived. Just in this episode. Just in this episode that you're watching right now. 500,000 years. Gone. All those memories, gone course they will be remembered by their loved ones but it's only a matter of time until another 500,000 years go by just for 6,300 people every single hour 500,000 years of someone's life is gone they can't live it again every single decision that they made is gone okay What's next? On average, a person lives for around 79 years. However, considering the approximately 156, sorry, 151,600 people who die every day, it means that every 24 hours, the collective memories of about 12.2 million years of human experience vanish forever. Just an extension of what I just said that 26 years is spent sleeping. This means that roughly one third of our existence is spent in a state of rest. A typical career span of 40 years, individuals spend approximately 90,000 hours working. The percentage of a lifetime spent worrying, studies suggest that on average, people spend about two hours per day worrying, which accounts for roughly 15% of waking hours. Cumulative lifetime worrying. Assuming a lifespan of 79 years, this translates to spending approximately 28,835 hours worrying over a lifetime. How many years is that? 28,835. 28,835. Is that hours? Yeah. Divided by 60. It's not. Okay. Give me a second. We've got to get the calculator actually out for this time. Calculator divided by sixty hours. Oh no! Wait, that was dumb. Got to divide it by twenty-four. 
because that's hours already. I'm out of my 24. 1,201 days. It's probably going to be around three and a half years. So that's divided by 365. 3.29 years is spent worrying. Is that a lot? That's that's a fair bit. That's a fair bit. Actually, that's a lot. That's actually a lot. Wow, that is actually a lot. Imagine that. 3.3 years of your lifetime is spent worrying. Now, of course, you're probably doing other activities at the same point. You could be, you know, right now, I could be worrying. That's also counted, but 3.3 years, that's a lot. That means that you live, let's say the average age is 39. Sorry, 79 divided by 3.3. Is that going to be less a good number? 23.9? I don't know. Um, but whatever it is, it's maybe like 5% of your life in total, which is the 15% of your waking hours spent worrying. Okay. Impact on future significance. Out of the countless hours you spend worrying, how many of those concerns will truly matter in the grand scheme of things? Research indicates that the majority of worries are about events that will never happen or are beyond our control. That's pretty crazy. I mean, thinking back to some of the moments that I've worried the most, they are pretty insignificant. Other than, I'm alone in Germany by myself, about to get surgery. I'm worrying about my family. I'm worrying about things. Okay, I just got injured. I'm worrying. Truly, I would say majority of the time. I'd say maybe I worry 80% of the time about the top 20% of things. Sorry, about the lowest 20% of things. So 80% of my time is spent worrying is on the 20% of things that don't even matter. Where eighty, where the other 80% of things that matter, I only spend 20% of time worrying about them. That's a made-up stat. Oh, you can see how it's probably true. Okay. Reflecting on the statistical insignificance of most worries, it becomes evident that much more of the mental energy expended on fretting over past decisions or potential future outcomes is ultimately futile. Now, this is a very interesting thing that I did. If I don't say so myself. What I did is I created an account on this thing called Reddit, I believe. Reddit, yes. Um, I'm a Redditor. I can say I'm a Redditor now. Not proud of it, but I did it. I'd never done it before. Now, oh no, I had done it before, but it was about something uh, I needed help when I was in Germany. But I haven't done it for a podcast episode. And I honestly don't think it's too bad of an idea. So, we've got some stories. No one cares about your life. Quote, I know the title is a little bit pessimistic, but hear me out. We are the center of our world. Since we were born, literally our entire existence is seen from our own viewpoint. That's why we think we're so important. People have social anxiety because they think everyone is paying attention to them. These days, people do so much things to impress others, to be accepted, comparing themselves to others. But at the end of the day, it's a tough lesson to learn that really no one cares. Yes, you have friends and family who truly care about your life. But for the most part, no one even, sorry, no one is even remotely as invested in your life as you are. 
You see someone on the street wearing super expensive clothes or a homeless guy. Are you thinking about them when you go to sleep? Do you worry about their future? Probably not even close to the way you think about your own life. So really, no one cares. We are not special. Billions have come before us and billions will come after us. You could spend the rest of your life in depression or being the happiest guy on the planet. Either way, the world will keep spinning. Everyone else will keep living their own lives. So what's the point of this post? Of course, one of the biggest stoicism principles is understanding what's in your control and what's not. We have to back ourselves up. We have to live our lives for what we want. Stop worrying about so much about others, what they think, what they do, where they are. At the end of the day, all we truly have is ourselves. We've got to be there for ourselves in the lowest times and the most difficult trials. Now, these are a few posts that I found. And I'll go into the post that I actually made a little bit later. Okay. Also, on that point, I don't think it's a bad thing actually saying that most people care about themselves more than anyone else. I actually think that's the way it should be. I'll give you the example. The oxygen mask in the uh, in the aeroplane analogy or example, I guess you could say. You need to put your mask on before helping anyone else because your help is irrelevant if you're dead. Okay? So help yourself first to then help others. And I've always stood by that. Uh, my parents and my sister would always say, I'm so selfish. And I'd be like, yes, I am. But who am I to help someone if I'm not even fixed myself? And I had that philosophy from a pretty young age and I still stand by it. Uh, I would say that a lot of the help that I give now is irrelevant because I, I, I still need to help myself a lot of the times. All right. Another story. I went through a fairly major illness about six years ago. I realized precisely how little I matter to the people, to most people, but only my closest friends and immediate family would truly seriously have cared if I even lived or died. For the rest of my entire existence, ending would have meant maybe a trip to a funeral and the odd she would have been X age this year kind of thought. Since then, I've never bothered stressing about my job. I see others do it and it seems futile. That's So that's good. I also experienced profound kind of alienation from my not closest friends, realizing how little I matter to them, but also how little they actually matter to me. I was quite depressed to realize how truly alone we really are, but my anxiety and social anxiety are much higher. I think that's because the experience was just so frightening. Anxiety in my head is a milder form of fear. Even social anxiety is not necessarily about other people. It's quite a difficult thing to come to terms with. Because it's so uncomfortable. And it's quite doom and gloom. But there's also a reason why it's good. Because it means that you have control over so much more things if you believe that only you care about yourself truly. Now, your mum cares about you. Your dad cares about you. Your siblings care about you. Your grandparents care about you. But you have to realise no one is fixed. We are all constantly pursuing ourselves to fix ourselves first. Of course, I'm not saying you shouldn't try and help others. It would be hypocritical for me not to say that if I've got my own podcast. And I'm not even trying to help you necessarily. It would be silly for me to say that. Help is needed. But help isn't always the right thing either. I may be saying things that are completely wrong that I don't even know that I'm saying. And I'm sure that that's happened. There will be episodes even in this that I'm sure I will misprescribe. I will say things and I'll probably misprescribe it. Um, but that doesn't take away from the point here. 
we're all broken humans. We are all imperfect. Therefore, all we can do is pursue our own self-interest to the best ability and at a good enough level, we'll be able to prescribe enough good so that the balance of good and bad is more good than bad. That's essentially where we want to get to. That's, in, that's a net positive. Okay, a comment to the last post was, this seems problematic. I see a pretty big difference between I'm not going to worry about others' opinions and choices because these do not belong to me. It's unjust and welcomes unhappiness. This is replies to other comments in the comment section. Comparing this to, I'm not going to worry about others' opinions and choices because they don't care about me. I'm alone in this world. So the comment, the commenter is replying to two different comments and saying that there's a difference between the first and second comment that I explained in that. Their comment is, in Stoicism, every single human being has a piece of divinity in them, which by definition is supremely important and special if one possesses the most important thing there. There is then that person has a very special value. Some of the grammar in these sentences and in, uh, comments aren't the best, bear in mind, and bear with me. We are responsible for our own tranquility, sure. The wise man is self-sufficient, as they say, but we exist only in deep connection to everyone and everything else, and we must always care for the interests of the cosmopolis, which are the inseparable which are inseparable from those who, comp who comprise it. Epictus in Discourse 2.5, that's a reference like that, I don't know. Um, reply to another comment. We should think in such way about ourselves also. What are you? A human being. Now, if you consider yourself in isolation, it's natural for you to live to an advanced age, to be rich and to enjoy good health. But if you consider yourself as a human being and as a part of some whole, it may be in the interest of the whole that you should now fall ill, now embark on a voyage and be exposed to danger, now suffer poverty and perhaps even die before your time. Why do you resent this? Do you know that in isolation a foot is no longer a foot and that you, likewise, will no longer be a human being? What that is a human being and part of a city? First of all, which is made up of gods and human beings, then that will than then that which is closest to us and which we call a city, which is a microcosm of a universal city. Also compare with the loving and respectful attitude expressed with MA in the off side. Okay, these are all different comments. Now, replying to that comment, when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself the people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surely... They are like this because they can't tell good from evil, but I have seen the beauty of good and the otherliness of evil and have recognized that the wrongdoer has a natural, has a nurture related to my own, not to the same blood and birth, but the same mind and possessing a share of the divine. And so none of them can hurt me. No one can implicate me in ugliness, nor can I feel angry at my relative or hate him. We were born to work together like feet, hands and eyes, like the two rows of teeth upper and lower. To obstruct each other is unnatural. To feel anger at someone, to turn your back on him, these are unnatural. That was powerful. A lot a lot of the um the, in that in that comment, there were a lot of sub comments that were this main person were really disagreeing with other comments. And I think that, that that last element 
really was a, a great way to finish on that. There's a bit of criticism in there from other commenters, but it was interesting to hear. Now, when it comes to what my post was, I've never posted on Reddit before. I think that I'll probably use it a little bit more frequently now because it gave some pretty good uh, insights. Got 6.5 thousand uh, views, not bad. 73% upvote rate. I don't know if that's good, but I don't know why people would have downvoted it. Six community karma. Don't know what that means, but better than the one that I started with. And three total shares. Let's go. My thing was, how did you find out? No one cares about you. I said, take this with a grain of salt. Of course, your family, those closest and etc. They all care for you. Or I'd like to imagine they should care about you. But the question is, how do you find out you are your biggest cheerleader or no one cares about you like you do? Then I said, this is also proven uh, evolutionarily to why you should care about yourself more than anyone, which I'll go into later in this episode. And then I gave a quote, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Therefore, guard accordingly and take care that you entertain no notions unsuitable to the virtue and reason, reasonable nature. Mark Sorales. Now, some of the craziest comments that I got. I had a period of my life when I tried helping my friend that was heartbroken. He is still, he was into bad things like drugs, etc. And I was trying my best not to let him do it again. After time, I realized that I was very stupid. I realized that he didn't even ask me how so you, how, they spelled that wrong. How do you feel? I stopped big talks with him. It's not like I hate him now. I still like him, but now I know that I shouldn't open to people and help people even if they need it. There is just me. I don't care about anyone out there anymore. Now, it's probably not the best example, but what is interesting about that is how this person now believes there is just me. I don't care about anyone out there anymore. I don't think that's the right approach. What I think the right approach is, is what I said before, where it's like, you want to fix yourself to the best of your ability. Continue to work on yourself. Continue to try and help others to where you give more good than bad because you will always give both. But there's people who say more bad than good. Try and get to the point where you work on yourself enough to fully understand enough good than bad. I think that's that. You've got to win. You've got to win the good over the bad. But it will never be, it will never be there's no bad and there's only good. There will never be that. You have to work on yourself enough to get to the point where there's more good than bad. Okay. I got diagnosed with MS about 10 years ago and pretty much everyone in my life did or at least made it very apparent that I had to hide the bad stuff and not be a bummer around them. That's quite confrontational. A comment to that then said, same disease, though I can't say everyone abandoned me wholly, but when I stopped calling, so did that. But to be honest, I think about it a lot and conclude it's not even MS related. People are just people. A different comment said, same exact thing, same exact thing here. My in-laws hate me for it. It's crazy. Um, I think it's a very common thing when, when people who are having health issues and whatnot that their family, I wouldn't say disassociate, but they, they tend to distance themselves because when you start caring about others more than yourself, which is actually a very hard thing to do, as I mentioned, it's, it's more the person who stops caring about themselves in a deficit that other people have surplus in that um, measurement. But 
it's confrontational because it's it's so it's such a big part of someone's life, and it's you can understand both parties. And it sounds evil of me to say that you can understand why people don't want to then help someone in in that situation. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but you can understand why because it's such a big burden, and it's such a big it's such a big task to do because it means that you have to then sacrifice so much sometimes that sacrifices are worth it for people and, and you've seen here three different cases i think it is maybe it's two of the same people i'm not too sure but it's very confrontational and it's very very sad to hear what the commenter said was people are just people that's the sad reality of it now another comment i stopped calling family and friends and realized nobody calls me nobody asks about me that's sad the biggest for me is that no one asks about me, especially not my friends. My grandpa recently died and I attended his memorial. Absolute silence from everyone about it. Nobody asks how it was or how I was doing after it. I knew then that I am truly alone here. I'm just waiting for my time to come so I can move on to the next life. It's very doom and gloom. Um, what I would say to that is no one owes you anything. It's, it's difficult. Like, how do you fully understand it? all these human dynamics um should you expect people to to be reminiscent to you should they should you expect people to say i'm sorry for your loss should you expect that i don't think you should i don't think you should expect it is it nice when people do that i think it's nice i think it's very courteous i think it shows that people care but if it gets too big of a problem where that person is saying, you know, I, just let me know. I'll help you with anything. Okay. They're not going to help you with everything. They say that because it's nice to say it. And they'll probably help you with most things. Whether it's, you know, oh, I'll deliver a meal. Maybe I'll give you this amount of money on a rare occasion. But if that person who was in a bad place and they then say to someone, who said that they're able to help him with anything, says, you know what, I just, I gambled a million dollars away. I, I, I really need a million dollars. And that person doesn't have a million dollars. And they said, they'll do anything. Are they really going to do anything? Are they really going to get a loan out and then ruin their own life because of that? No, they're not. Are they really going to work the next 500, <laughs> the next 50 years of their life trying to repay that person's mistakes back? No, they're not. You put the oxygen mask on for yourself before you put it on others. It's not a bad thing either. But we're not going to do everything for anyone. Fact. I would like to think most people would help someone out when it's very, very easy to do. I'd like most people to sacrifice their time. Uh, you know, if it's, uh, I need a lift somewhere. Obviously, my grandpa just died. Um, I don't have a car. Whatever it is, I need to get somewhere. Okay, I lose half a day because of it, but you know what? I'll sacrifice the time for you. I'd like to think most people would do that. Maybe they don't. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Okay. Um, there's a really good one that doesn't look like I put in here, but I can go to the Reddit page quickly. Um, okay. When I had to go to get 
cancer surgery. I had to drive myself to the horrible clinic over an hour from my house. Going alone was bad enough. The actual surgery itself was the worst pain of my life. I had to have two procedures done to get everything. My moment came when I left the clinic. I was in a state of shock from the pain. I walked to my car and reached in my pocket to get my keys. It was in that moment that I noticed that I had blood on the toes of my Chuck Taylors. I was still bleeding. I was alone in a ton of pain, bleeding on myself, and had to drive an hour home. To say I felt alone was an understatement. I might as well have been on another planet. Crazy. It's it's sad to hear. Very, very sad to hear. Um, now, the, the one that I was looking for. Okay, this was the first comment. When I became homeless, I grew up in a large family. I became homeless at 15. Every single person refused to let me stay with them. Reasons from it looks better for the government housing to not have anywhere to go to we don't have the time slash resources. There's something about being a kid that makes you think that people will care about your well-being. They don't. Me not freezing to death outside was worth less than the inconvenience of me sleeping on their couch. I then wrote back with a comment and they said, Thank you, I am 28 now, so it was a long time ago. I just stayed homeless until I got enough resources to rent a house and then I have done everything I can not to be in that position again. Stoicism helps me in times of stress as I know that I have to face reality as it really is instead of focusing on what I want it to be. Um, yeah, very, very crazy. It's uncomfortable that no one cares about you as much as yourself. I think that that's a very extreme case that that person said. I don't think you're going to have many situations where truly no one cares about you like that. I would like to imagine most people have someone or some people who would care about them. And and realistically, there will be people out there who would care for that person. But it it's very tough to find those people. And sometimes it's only worth it for that person to fix it themselves rather than seek help. What I mean by that is if that person who uh, made that comment spent their time on getting a job and earning that money back as quickly as possible, rather than looking for the right person to help them, it probably would have been better for them to do it themselves rather than to seek help from others because it's going to put them in a better position anyways. Okay. Part two, get over yourself. I'm going to play a quick video from Kobe Bryant's interview with Patrick Beth David, an interview that I reference all the time. This is a different reference. Normally I reference the... Uh, I think it's the gladiator reference that Kobe talks about, but I'll play it here for you. I shot five air balls on national TV in front of millions of people that cost us a series, and I'm 18. I'm fine, dude. For me, it's not, you know, you, you kind of got to get over yourself. Like, it's not about you, man. Like, okay, you feel embarrassed. You're not that important. You're worried about how people may perceive you and like you're walking around and it's embarrassing because you shot five air balls. Get over yourself, right? And then after that, it's okay, well, why did those air balls happen? Got it. High school, year before, we played 35 games. In the NBA, it's back to back to back to back to back to back to back. I didn't have the legs. 
I gotta get stronger. The weight training program that I'm doing, I gotta tailor it for an 82 game season mm. so that when the playoffs come around, my legs are stronger and that ball gets there. So I look at it with rationale. I say, okay, well, the reason why I shot air balls is because my legs aren't there. I go, well, next year they'll be there. That was it. Done. Done. What Kobe says there, which is my main point, and there's many other topics that I could go over with that, that he mentioned that were very good, but the main point, get over yourself. In theory, or in, as Kobe says it, it, it sounds so easy. In application, that is very, very difficult. Very difficult. Now, to help you, and to even help myself, because I struggle with this, I have some scientific studies that can help you understand the application of that and why there's more truth to that. Memory decay. Research suggests that memories of embarrassing moments tend to fade over time while they may, sorry, while they might be vivid immediately after the event. Studies indicate that the people's recollection, recollection of embarrassing incidents become less detailed and accurate as time passes. Now, in an example like this, Kobe's telling such an extreme example. He's 18, he's just lost the series. That's very extreme. But, I don't know if you knew that about Kobe. I didn't until I watched that episode with Patrick Pathetic. And I watched that a few years ago. But, guess what? I've also watched that episode before. And only after I was doing the research for this episode, and I remembered that, was I reminded of that. I hadn't thought of that ever since I last watched that episode, uh, that interview with Kobe. Memory to Ken. You can also argue, of course. Okay, Kobe then was able to change that narrative and become one of the greatest basketballs ever. Would it be more uh, prevalent in our memories if Kobe wasn't the Kobe that we know today and we only remember Kobe for that moment? Yeah, sure. But what it means is that you can flip that narrative. Is everyone able to flip that narrative? Maybe not. But if you're in that position to make such an extreme uh, error or mistake, then you're also probably in the position to also fix it. What did Kobe do? He fixed it. Alright, impact on others. Most people are preoccupied with their own lives and concerns. Studies show that individuals are more likely to remember embarrassing moments about themselves than about others. Therefore, while an embarrassing moment might stick in your mind, it's likely that others will forget about it relatively quickly. The first thing that always comes to my mind when I hear this is when I was in primary school and it was in front of the whole primary school where our like primary school leader or whatever, I don't know what the name is there. Um, she goes up in front of all, all the kids before school. We have like our little um, meetings, primary school meetings. We're all in our lines and the teacher would say, oh, she, she brought up this, this, this moment and I can't remember it because of memory decay. Um, and it's just, just explaining how this one kid did something that was very embarrassing and how people don't really care about it. And she was explaining how everything, sorry, everyone does embarrassing things and, uh, you know, most people only really care about themselves and, and, and their own concerns. So just forget about it because it can happen to anyone. And I don't even remember what he did, but I do remember that. Now, does that prove... Uh, the impact of others, does it prove memory decay? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that would. 
Now, when I give you another example about it, though, and I and when I if I was to give you a question saying what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever seen in in your life, you probably have one or two incidents. I'll give you one that comes up to my mind, and it's that same situation. And the reason why I think that there's a correlation between my memory here is because it was like funny that it's happened in 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 a short time span. So the the teacher who said that no one forgets, sorry, no one remembers about the bad things that happened to you. And then like a year later or so, we had like a new teacher who then her pants fell down whilst she was saying something in the in the meeting. That was pretty embarrassing. I remember that. So people do remember things. The fact that I know that COVID did that means that I will remember it in the future. It's tough, but get over yourself because people will always have embarrassing moments. People will tend to remember the moment rather than the individual. There is proof that subconsciously the way of which someone does something will impact the subconscious uh the, the the way that you perceive someone will be subconsciously affected by every every decision that we make. Whether you might, if I was to punch a, a preschooler on the face and my parents saw that, they're obviously going to like think of me differently. Even if it was the first time I've ever done it, they may think, "Oh, I still love him and whatnot." But subconsciously, they're going to think of me differently, and probably consciously, they're going to think of me differently. That's an extreme, but let's say I do something, I break their trust that I didn't even know I was breaking their trust. Maybe I, I say a swear word in front of my parents. And, um, and they think, oh no, I've lost his trust. He swore in front of me. Are they going to treat me differently now? Maybe they won't treat me differently consciously, but subconsciously they think of me differently. It's very valid for that to be the case. Uh, and so it should be, because that's how we actually get an image of someone. That's actually how we get, I mean, you have an image of me. You have an image of your mom. You have an image of your dad. You don't know exactly how that's been made up. But every single interaction, everything, every single piece of information you've heard, seen, and done shapes your your vision of each person. Therefore, subconsciously, you're getting all these different factors that will that will shift that perception every single day, most likely, if you, if you see that person or hear something about them. Um, so yes. Yes, people remember. Do they remember more than you think? I, I, I don't think so. And I think that these, these things that preach that they preach that um but it is a tough it's it's a tough one to get over but i think the main thing i want to reinforce here is get over yourself you're not that important and everything that happens truly it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things just as in a hundred years time they were no one will remember what happened okay there's no even to recollect that story or to to retell that story okay so everyone will be dead by that. The last point I have here about get over yourself is the frequency of embarrassing moments. Surveys indicate that embarrassing moments are a common human experience. Nearly everyone has experienced embarrassment at some point in their lives. And many people have stories on their own awkward and embarrassing moments. What I'm doing at the moment is uh, I listened to an episode of Andrew Huberman and I think someone who was like, they had like a journal of series. And I think that this was the episode. You never really care. You know, I just listened to too much of it. So I can't remember exactly what happened, but it encouraged the listeners to create a narrative of their whole life to 
write down all the memories that they can remember and, and write them in the sequence of events of which they can best match it to. So for the first five years of my life, I write down all the memories that I have. The next five years, I write down all the memories that I have. Once I get more uh, sentience and conscious, as I grow older, I, I start to make those years, those time frames a little bit more finite. So, you know, maybe 10 to 12, 12 to 14, vice versa. And I write down all those memories that I have in those specific timelines. Now, what I've noticed about that, and, I, and seriously, what what happens is I'll like look at something and I'm like, oh, I remember this, that when I was maybe 10. And I write it down in my notes and then I attach it into my page and I have all these memories. And what was quite interesting for me is if you look at all of my memories, you will notice that, oh, I've lived such an embarrassing life. A lot of it, a lot of my memories that I have are very embarrassing. The reason for that is because we have that negativity bias. Now, also the frequency of embarrassing moments, everyone has these embarrassing moments. Some outweigh others, very, yeah, sure. And this is where I have a bit of stump because how do we, how do we truly get over ourselves? It's not easy to get over ourselves. I think the main emphasis here is going to be, it's truly not that bad in the grand schemes of things. Um, Kobe missing those shots, airballing those shots to, to lose the championship for the Lakers when he's 18 years old. It's his responsibility to now to change that narrative, to change the perception. He can either let them have it or he can, you know, move on with that knowledge that people will remember him for that. It's a hard one because maybe it's not worth him fixing it if he doesn't have the ability or skill set to do so. If he does, then I would encourage him to do it. He did. He did it. Brilliant. But some people will have those embarrassing moments that they can't necessarily um, change that perspective. And maybe it's not worth it. Now, part three, we care about ourselves more than anyone else. Now, this is going on a very evolutionarily evolutionarily evolutionary I think going on evolutionarily that would probably make sense a very evolutionarily perception or perspective sorry so evolutionary psychology psychologists argue that self-preservation and reproduction are fundamental drivers of human behavior this perspective suggests that individuals are genetically predisposed why I just can't pronounce words predisposed predisposed that's it to prioritize their own survival and prop propagation over their genes leading to behaviors that maximize personal advantage so evolutionarily i got it right um evolutionarily we are actually meant to just care about ourselves survival of the fittest why why should you care about someone else's survival more than your own it, it's exactly just that example of put your oxygen mask on first Neuroscientists, neuroscientific studies have shown that humans possess minor neurons which uh, enable them to empathize with others by mirroring their emotions and experiences. However, research also indicates that individuals may experience greater empathic responses towards those they perceive as similar to themselves, indicating a bias towards self-interest empathy. It's interesting because I think that that's very clear in a lot of different things, right? Like, there's probably, I don't know if there's a stat about it, but I think it's pretty well known that people tend to marry individuals who look more similar to themselves. That then proves how we naturally take like a, a, a bias towards things that relate to us. It's why relatability is such a funny thing. Like, 
if I give you something that's so precise, specific, and relatable, it's going to be more funny than something very general. In that same light, things that are more relatable to us, we care about it more. How do you then change that? Right? Like if I'm thinking, how do I make sculpted more relatable to you? Maybe I make more of these Reddit posts where I, I'm getting more uh, relatable information, giving you more perspectives. Maybe that will then help you uh, have more of an interest in sculpting. Self-interest theory. Economic theories such as rational choice theory and game theory posit that individuals act in their own self-interest when making decisions. These theories suggest that people weigh the potential costs and benefits of their actions and choose the option that maximizes personal utility. Social comparison theory. Social psychologists have proposed the social comparison theory which suggests that individuals evaluate themselves and their abilities by comparing themselves to others. This process often leads towards upward social comparison, where individuals seek to outperform others to enhance their self-esteem its status. Cognitive biases. Behavioral economics research has identified numerous cognitive biases that influence decision-making, many of which prioritize self-interest. For example, confirmation bias leads individuals to seek out information that confirms their pre-existing beliefs, while the endowment effect causes people to overvalue items they own. Cognitive, cognitive biases are very, very prevalent. Um, I'm very, very aware that I have a lot of cognitive biases. I would also say that I also have... Um, I literally wrote this word down yesterday and I spoke about it today already and I've forgotten what it is. I don't know how I've forgotten this word. I've got it written down there, so it's all good. Cognitive dissonance. I also have cognitive dissonance, but I also have purposeful cognitive dissonance, which is cognitive dissonance in itself. The fact that I have um, purposeful cognitive dissonance, but also say being delusional is bad, is cognitive dissonance. But the fact that I'm aware of it would be counter to my cognitive dissonance, which would then be counter to all the areas of which I say that I'm not cognitively dissonant to, which is then cognitive dissonance to me saying that I'm aware. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance here. So all I can say is that I'm unaware of my unawareness, but aware of my awareness. Is that how I get out of that? Maybe. All right. Social identity theory posits that individuals desire a sense of identity and self-esteem from their membership in social groups. This theory suggests that people are motivated to enhance the status of their group, of their in-group, often at the expense of outgroups, reinforcing the prioritization of self-interest. I said prioritization that very weirdly. Uh, historical and anthropological—I use crazy words that I don't even know when I do this research. Historical and anthropological evidence throughout history: human societies have exhibited patterns of self-interested behavior, such as resource competition, territorial disputes, and social hierarchies. Anthropological studies of diverse cultures have revealed commonalities in self-interested behaviors across different societies and time periods, just proving that it's evolutionary. It is evolutionary. Um, and and what I said earlier, is it's it can't really be posed as a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing when it is evolutionarily because it is survival of the fittest. It is putting that oxygen mask on before, uh, putting it on yourself before others. Now, what I want to end with, and I haven't actually got to the hour mark, so there's not 6,300 people who have died. So I'll give you the stat on how many people died throughout this episode at the end. Um, but it's not that bad. Okay. Evolutionarily, prioritizing self-interest aligns with the principles of surviving and reproduction that have shaped human behavior over the millennia. 
from an evolutionary perspective, individuals who prioritize their own needs and well-being are more likely to survive and pass on their genes to future generations. This concept is often referred to as inclusive fitness, where organisms prioritize actions that maximize their genetic contribution to subsequent generations, even if it means sacrificing individual interests in certain situations. Similarly, in evolutionary terms, prioritizing self-interest ensures that individuals are equipped to navigate life's challenges and opportunities effectively. By attending to their own needs, individuals increase their chances of survival, reproduction, and ultimately the transmission of the genetic material to future generations. This doesn't imply a lack of empathy or concern for others, but rather acknowledges the fundamental principles that self-preservation is a necessary prerequisite for altruistic behavior and collective well-being. In essence, prioritizing self-interest allows individuals to be in a better position to contribute to the welfare of others and the broader community. There we go. Prioritizing self-interest allows individuals to be in a better position to contribute to the welfare of others and the broader community. That is the main point here. The analogy of the aeroplane oxygen mask illustrates this principle succinctly. In an emergency situation on an aeroplane, passengers are instructed to secure their own oxygen mask before assisting others, including children or those in need. This directive is based on the understanding that individuals must ensure their own survival and well-being before they can effectively help others. By securing their own mask first, individuals ensure that they are in a position to provide assistance to others without compromising their own safety. I think the whole summary of this episode is that oxygen mask analogy. No one cares about you. And it's not a bad thing. That's how it should be. People care about you. You care about yourself the most. You are your biggest cheerleader. No one will do the work for you. And a lot of the case where people do work for you, you don't reap the rewards of everything there, okay? Do everything. Just start doing things. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. I'm not sponsored. Although, you may think I am because I just only wear Nike and I'll only swear by Nike. And I'm aware of that. That's not cognitive dissonance. So, no one cares about you. It's not a bad thing. We should only care about ourselves. But... Caring about others is important, but care about yourself the most. Once you care about yourself the most, you will be able to help others better. Imagine if I cared about every single person on this earth, and I spent the past 19 years caring about everyone else. That means that the prescription that I give probably isn't even really like the right prescription, because how, who am I to know if I've spent 19 years of my life trying to just help others, I probably haven't learned enough on how to help others properly properly and that just means that i'm just insufficient enough because i haven't helped myself it's like i'm reaching for the oxygen bag and i'm trying to get the kids uh oxygen mask oxygen mask oxygen mask for him i'm just trying to you know bring it down bring it down bring it down and i haven't even got my own i'm, I'm holding it there just trying to get it down and then i pass out well guess what that kid can't reach it anymore sure someone else might be able to help them in this situation, it's it's me and him. Well, guess what? We're both dead. Imagine if I... Okay. Put it on. Yep. Yeah, on. We both survive. I think that's a perfect way to, to explain. We care about ourselves the most. It should be that way. Be your biggest cheerleader. No one else will do it for you. No one else is going to do the work for you. It's a harsh reality. It's an uncomfortable truth. But I don't have a problem with it. And I don't think you should either. 
hope you enjoyed this episode. Oh, let's do the math. I'm at like 53 minutes. Um, 53. Calculate. 53, oh, 53 times 6,300. Wow. That is a lot of hazel. So in this episode, how do I even go about that? Because I'm so dissociated, yeah, I'm so dissociated from these 333,900 people. It's very sad. Guess what? That's life. 300,000 plus people died in this episode. Wait, that's not right. That's not right. That is not right. I apologize for that. That's completely wrong. Let me get the stat up again. It's not 6,300 people die every minute. It is 105 deaths. Wow, that's a big difference. Okay, 105 times... Okay, we're at the 54-minute mark now. 5,670, that's that's a lot better. Well, it's a much nicer number. But still, regardless, that's a lot of people who have died in this episode. And how do you go about that? Like, realistically, I wish I could send, you know, a letter to those 5,670 people. But guess what? It's not worth my time trying to find out who those people are and even trying to send out a letter to them because that may take my whole life to find out the people who died on February the 22nd at 12.44 p.m. in the past hour that I've been recording for. It's not even worth it. It may take my whole life to do it. And guess what? By the time I send it and my life's over, they probably won't even receive the message. It's not worth it. It sucks. It's a harsh reality. And you know what? One day, in one of those hours, my time will come. Where someone is thinking about, guess what? 105,000 people just died in the last hour. Or however long it is. It's definitely not that. That was horrible maths. But, X amount of people died in the last hour. I'll be one of them. I'll be one of them. It's an uncomfortable truth. It's hard for me to say that. But I live every single day thinking about that. Not that exact stat. That's that's very confrontational. But I, I think that mortality is such a big driver for action. That's why I have the time pressure module in the scope for that. But guys, bit of a sad episode, honestly. Um, and honestly, a very sad way to end it. But it just gives you the perspective that I think that I was just trying to reinforce. No one cares about you more than yourself. And it should be that way. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.